Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. I am Kevin Bradley featuring uh, Boston-based Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt and fantasy author Alexander Darwin. Alex, thank you very much for coming on. Nice How to meet you. Doing today? It's great to meet you and thank you for having me on. I appreciate that. Now, we could have like a 45-minute fantasy <laughs> explosion talk and I very much want to. It would be a lot I'm, of nerdiness flowing back and forth, I'm sure. <laughs> let's see how many how many of the dwarves or the rings we can name. Just just the which which would be it could uh, a lightsaber cut through a shard blade or something like that. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I would just love to know more about you. So give me a little bit more of your backstory. Sure. Do you want uh, as far as my my jujitsu backstory or? Or the the writing side of things. Well, I would want I want it all, but since seeing as we are a jujitsu based news publication, I would sure. love to know how you found. It's my favorite thing to ask people. I apologize for the dogs. No worries, the jerks all day. Um, one of my favorite things to ask people is how they found jujitsu because I I came about it in a pretty roundabout way, and it's it's always very. It always seems to be a story. It's never just yeah. like I, I up and decided to do it. Yeah, I was kind of. Uh, I've been. I've bounced around a little bit just uh, based on where I was living, but I started when I was going to university um, in Boston, Boston University. There was a, a club, and this was in 2004. So, wow, it's 15, 15 years ago. Um, there was a club there. It was a free club. It was actually run by a pretty high-level black belt named Dave Ginsburg. He's a, a Mario Sperry black belt. And it was kind of like run like a wrestling practice. It was all no gi just because it's a club. You don't have uniforms. They didn't have the gi. At, you know, they, they don't have very many funds where they can afford the gi. So I walked in. Um, I, I think I, I don't really know what attracted me, me to it. I, I've always done martial arts, you know, the karate, karate as a kid type of thing. Um, I did some kung fu uh, when I was, you know, in high school um uh, muay thai throughout the years but um i wanted to try jujitsu out and it, again it was nogi so it was like a wrestling practice and it was quite quite grueling i remember and and i rolled with uh dave ginsburg at that point and you kind of had got that feeling of you know i guess to liken it to fantasy it felt like magic um what he was able to to do you know and he's not a he's not a big guy he i think sometimes people have these experiences when they especially when they're rolling with smaller practitioners who are quite experienced and they just have no idea how they're able to control their body so well. Um, yeah, because I think if, if you're a new guy and you roll, you, you, you have an ego and you kind of walk into a practice and you roll with a bigger, stronger dude, then you're probably like, well, oh, he was bigger and stronger. But if you roll with, you know, a, someone that's smaller than you and they're able to hundred percent dominate you, then that's where you really get hooked. Um, so I did that for a while. It was also run by uh, an MMA fighter named Shohei, who I've actually been, I've been trying to look him up for a while. He kind of just disappeared. I hope he's, he's doing all right. Um, he was just like kind of this, uh, wandering Ronin. Um, he, he was, a, he was a tough guy too. He was this MMA fighter. Um, I think he went to Japan at some point, but so I, I was there throughout college, and then um, I moved out to San Francisco, and I trained um, at a gym out there called Gym 445, 
And that, I pr actually primarily did Muay Thai out there. I was doing Muay Thai a bunch and then kind of uh, got back into jiu-jitsu. Um, and that, the jiu-jitsu program out there was run by uh, another MMA fighter named uh, Brett Bergmark. Uh, his, his, uh, his nickname actually, his MMA nickname was the Angry Hick. Um, <laughs> and he, he, was, he ran a tough practice too. That was also... I think all my initial experience was it was pretty pretty grueling stuff. It wasn't it, no one was taking it easy. Um, he was a Caesar Gracie uh, purple belt, and he was he was training a lot with the Diaz brothers at the time. So he was training for fights, and um, he pretty much used used his white belts as as um, you know beating Mate. dummies. Yeah, <laughs> he wasn't going easy on us. Um, and then I eventually moved uh, in in San Francisco when I was out there. I moved out near the beach. And there was a gym run uh, by uh, Carlos Sapon, um, who was a pretty, a very high level black belt. And he, he, um, I got, I, I worked my way up to purple belt with him, and then moved back to Boston as a purple belt right after I got my purple belt, which was a little, a little scary. Um, you know, going back after ten, I was in San Francisco about ten years, and then coming back to a new gym, entering a new gym as a fresh purple belt. Um, and that's when I, I went, uh, I met Roberto and, um, I, I've been there ever since. So at this point I'm, I'm teaching at Boston Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Um, I teach the fundamentals there, which is pretty awesome. Um, <clears throat> we get new students. It's always great. You know, fundamentals you get, you get, you know, you get to teach fundamentals, but the, I think the cool thing is you get, um, you know, a constant stream of new students, people that have no grappling experience whatsoever. So it's like, a, to me, it's a constant reminder, both, you know, where I came from and what it was. Lots of people for a really long time, you kind of, you forget how much of a privilege it is and how, how cool it actually is because you're doing it just like anything. You're doing it every day and you forget, you know, this is, this is praising because you, you get these wide-eyed people walking in and they have no idea what's going on. Um, so yeah, that's, that's basically my, my background for Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. I've been teaching for about, I really like teaching. I've been teaching for about six or seven years now. Um, and, and yeah. It's if, so when you show up to fundamentals class, is, is it basically like you go from being a Padawan, you know, getting your ass kicked all the time to <laughs> suddenly you're, you're shooting force lightning at people like you're serious. <laughs> You're throwing people around. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I'm one to make some, I'm extreme. Everyone in my class, my students know I'm extremely dorky. Um, uh, and I, I've made some, and I'm a dad. So I make a combination of dorky dad jokes all the time, which get mixed receptions, but I, I keep doing it. <laughs> there was this one time I was rolling. My, my good buddy, Jeff Nelson is a, is a purple belt, uh, uh, training in Connecticut and li like us, he's also a dual. He actually is the one that got me hooked on Storm White Archive. He is a very big fantasy guy and we'll be rolling and he'll just say, for real, dude, you got to read The Hero's Journey by Joseph Campbell <laughs> or the hero, with a thousand, the hero with a Thousand Faces by Joseph Campbell. And I'll just be crushed in, in neon belly and he'll just hold me there and he'll be like, so really what it's about is how these legends kind of compile on each other. <laughs> And I'll be passing out because his knee is the size of my head. You know, it, it's funny when um, you're rolling with someone and, and you have to have someone you really know well to have some sort of dialogue with them when you're rolling.
but it is it is funny having like you don't want to have a conversation with someone you don't know because it could be disrespectful and they're you know tr they're training for a competition or whatever and you're kind of talking in the ear but if you have a good friend that you're rolling with all the time it is kind of fun to be able to chat a little bit not too much but while you, while you're having a role it's um, it's every every now and then you know it's yeah. <laughs> it, it's it, you feel it out now now back to fantasy something that i think you'll agree with is that fantasy <laughs> combat usually falls into three categories roundabout it's either some crazy magic stuff going on uh, sword fighting or just huge armies. It's like, it's, it, you never right. really see hand to hand stuff. And that is where your, your book, your new series, the combat codes really just immediately bucks the trend. Like the first scene in the book is like taking place in the fighting pits with like a, a an old grizzled scout seeing these kids, like like looking for new talent and you're getting a lot of really technical stuff right off the bat. Like there is a smaller opponent facing, a, these are kids and they're facing like, there's no real weight classes, but uh, what made you want to go that route with, with this story? Yeah. You know, it was a, it was kind of a, a thought experiment. I'd been kicking around in my head for a while and the thought experiment was, you know, what if, what if, People weren't, you know, fighting wars with, with you know, weapons of, of mass destruction and, and, you know, munitions and all sorts of stuff like that. What if, you know, it was simpler in a way and, you know, nations or, or empires or, or even, you know, businesses um, solve their, resolve their disputes um, essentially by having a champion and um, that champion representing that, that governing body. And I mean, it's pretty much like, you know, the Olympics, to to some extent, where you, where where athletes are representing um, their their countries, but in this case, it would be for for everything, everything instead of you know again fighting wars for land or or resources, which is what pretty much you know uh, or dogmas why why people fight right now. It would be resolved with with the champion, and that thought experiment you know led me down a path, and I've been kicking around uh, quite a bit. And I thought it would be cool to to you know see what see what happened if I tried to build build this world and and um, you know the way the way I've found I, I write is um, I'm more of a, a discovery writer and I, I don't know if, uh, you're probably you're probably a fan of uh, George Martin yeah what what he says which I like is you know writers are either um, gardeners or architects and uh, you know arch architects would be someone who outlines. Um, outlines quite a bit prior to writing. And then a gardener is someone who kind of, you know, has a general concept and then starts writing. And I definitely am more on that. If I, if I outline too much, um, it kind of makes me lose my um, passion for actually writing because you've kind of already gone through every, the motions of everything by outlining too much. And some people do that quite a bit. So anyways, so I, you know, just started exploring where that took me and these characters, um, came to life and and it, it kind of you know I, I put it together after that um but the original thought experiment was it still stands and that's just you know what would happen if, if that were the case and of course there there are lots of uh, byproducts um where where if everything was on the line for for um a, a single combat 
fight, then imagine imagine what already happens in the UFC where people are, of course, you know, taking steroids and and trying to market themselves and there's real, money on real the line. Quick, my the I, I'm not gonna lie, the combat in the first scene was really really engaging, but the thing that hooked me about your book. There was this one line where the Murray is walking down the street after the fight and someone in the same way a vendor would be selling hot dogs. Someone's going like high, high level creatine, high protein powder. And I'm just like, for a minute, I'm like, Oh my God, I want to, I want to live here so bad. <laughs> yeah, was, that was, you... that was it. I was like, Oh, thank like that. All the meatheads. Just if we ran the world, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, but you can imagine if if there was if everything was in the line, if if nations depended on these champions to win to act, essentially get you know resources, what would they put into these champions? What kind of you know technology or or you know biological modifications or training regimens? You know, imagine if you know where we are imagine if the united states everything depended on um i don't know who's the top who's the top ufc fighter from the u.s right now who, i don't even know i don't follow the ufc as much as i'd like to but uh, israel adesanya is he's not even he's, he would he's, he would go back home and fight exactly <laughs> yeah fight for New Zealand. american girl i don't know um yeah i'm trying to think i i mean i i hear stuff every once in a while we get we got to get mighty mouse back yeah, yeah. He's he's a nerd too. He'd he'd be he'd be all for it. He'd <laughs> <laughs> You know though um back to the connection between fantasy and, you know, mixed martial arts and and jiu-jitsu in particular is another thing that being, you know, I've always been a fantasy and sci-fi fan as a kid. I, you know, I'm I'm unashamed to say I played Dungeons and Dragons for many many years uh you know all the all okay the video now, games. now i'm gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna just <laughs> hijack this i'm not gonna ask if you've ever played a monk i'm gonna ask how many monks have you built <laughs> well actually it was advanced dungeons of dragons so there was, there was not that was not a, a class. that wasn't a class yet oh right. right but in for example in final fantasy i would play all those role-playing games i would always really like the uh the characters that did hand-to-hand combat you ever play any of those uh, RPGs? Like Final it's funny. Fantasy? It's oh, I'm I'm a huge Dungeons and Dragons fan. Right. In fact, I just recently think I finally convinced my mom it's not satanic because she was <laughs> she was trumpeting that horn. I I was p- briefly part of the D and D club at school, and she found out, and she's like, "Oh no!" Of all the things you could be doing, playing playing D and D, she's like, "Can't you do drugs like like a cool kid? <laughs> do I something mean, cool? <laughs> come on, Kev." Uh, but really, but, I mean, what I what I noticed the most about um you know jujitsu especially in contrast to other martial arts that i took which is you know traditional martial arts and um you know even kung fu we'd we'd beat the shit out of each other pretty much with with no technique whatsoever which was just you know didn't show me anything but when i was able to learn jujitsu was the most similar to uh you know having having some sort of magical ability or superpower or whatever you want to call it, but it, it kind of tapped into my, my inner, you know, fantasy role-playing person where it was like, this is actually real life. I'm building, you know, if you ever played Dungeons and Dragons, you build a character, you, you're role-playing and you build your character up. 
you ever played like a you know massive multiplayer online role playing game or any video game really you you build a character up and then you continue in that world but this was like whoa i can actually build myself up i can gain skills and techniques i can collect these techniques and i can actually use them in real life you know on the mats um and i'm, I'm pretty that's sure pretty cool i'm pretty sure the first time i ever pulled off a scissor sweep i i don't know if you've ever <laughs> heard pers- i don't know if you've ever played persona but i'm pretty sure in the back I of my head so- something was <laughs> whenever you level up in uh in the game, it, there's this voice that says, I am thine and thine art out or something. I, f- I remember hearing you that. You heard that? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, crack. I just uh, I just leveled up my, my tarot card level or something. I, I need – this is making me want to go play a bunch of games. Yeah, and do jujitsu. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It, I, I do a shark tank, and then I log on to WoW for a little bit. Then I go back to the shark tank. But so so a lot of people have these thoughts. But what do you think was the thing that made you confident in going out, putting them on paper, and building this world? Was it something that you struggled with uh, initially, or was it like immediately this has got to right. come out of my head? I think I think confidence uh, is a part of it, but I think it's almost. Uh, I actually talk about this. I think in in the acknowledgments of combat codes, but. Jiu-Jitsu actually was pretty instrumental in, in creating a, a mindset that allowed me to, you know, complete a novel and then let alone I just I just have finished this, the second novel. Um, and it is, it's a big undertaking to write a full book and keep going through it. You know, I, I'd written several, several books before but had given up on them just because you, you have this inner voice and you, you read through your stuff or or you might circulate it a little bit and you say, you know, this is really, really isn't good enough. Um, but the fact of the matter is um, just like with jujitsu, uh, writing is not something, I mean, you, you do have some inherent skill in doing it um, based on, you know, how much you've been writing as, as a kid and growing up and, and, you know, what you've learned and what you've been exposed to in the world, that's all, all goes into your writing. But, really it comes down to, to just writing. Um, it's just like people, people kind of think about it <clears throat> just similar to martial arts and, and jujitsu. You think there's like this, this muse or, or inspiration. And, and if you don't have the, the passion and you don't feel it, then you're not going to write. But really most of, of writing is just grueling. It's just like digging, digging a ditch. You just got to do it. You dig it, you dig it, you dig it, and you're gonna have a lot of dirt in there. You're gonna have a lot of, a lot of shit. Uh, it's it's not gonna be good. A lot of it, and then you know, a lot of it gets done in the editing process. You're gonna you're gonna have a draft. You're gonna have many drafts, and and it's it's drudgery. Um, and, and just like jujitsu, you really have to embrace part of it. If you walk into onto the mats, and you're gonna get smashed a lot, um, as we all know, when you when you first start, and you're gonna. You, it's very easy to give up and get discouraged, and, and I think it's just that mentality of, of trying to you know set a schedule, and um, and keep keep going and realize that it's a skill. It's just like it would be kind of you know, I, I think we hear this all the time in jujitsu, and it makes sense to people that grapple is um, you know people who uh, guys who don't who don't train any combat sports think they can fight. And yeah, I mean, everyone has a puncher's chance, but it's silly to think that that's just like saying, like, I'm going to be good at guitar 
but I've never played guitar before. I, I'd probably be good at it. And it, it's very similar with writing. <laughs> writing is a, it's a skill and you, you just have to, as you know, being a writer yourself, you just have to put down the time and the hours to some extent and then pursue something that, that for me, you know, martial arts, I'm passionate about martial arts. So I wanted to write about something I'm passionate about. And I'm also passionate about fantasy, uh, science fiction. So, so it, it was a good fit. And then, but the main thing was just, just not, not stopping. And, you know, even the first few drafts are, are pretty bad and you read it over and you go, Whoa, this, this is not good, but, but you can make something of it and you kind of mold it together. I think it was Neil game. I think I remember seeing uh, part of Neil Gaiman's masterclass where he's like the, the purpose of your second draft is to make it look like you knew what you were doing. The right. Whole time yeah. Well, I, hey, I, I listened to that as well. I, I love it. Oh Neil yeah. Gaiman. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, my brother, his, the, my brother is not a fantasy guy. He's like right. meathead Marine, super like jock dude. But for some reason, like he was able to understand and fall in love with interworld, which like is a book Neil Gaiman wrote uh many years ago and it's got like multiverse stuff and it's just high concept i can't understand it to this right. day but for some reason he it it just he flew it with spoke it to him yeah, yeah neil, spoke to him. i feel yeah. like neil he reaches actually an audience uh, somehow i think based on his writing style but also the content he writes about um he he totally reaches an audience outside of of traditional fantasy that that's pretty cool i mean i he he makes you feel he 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 gives you a lot of big concepts without making you feel like he's talking down to you like oh i built this crazy aren't i great like yeah patting himself on the back like it's very much like i get the feeling that he wrote sandman because if he didn't he'd never be able to sleep again like <laughs> this is going to drive me insane I need to get it out of me. I think that it's an addiction, just just like uh, Trey. But but I, I I like a quote that Neil Gaiman said about writing a draft. I'm misquoting him now, but he pretty much says that uh, for your your draft, you have to explode onto the page, and then you go back and pick up pick through the the shrapnel, um, and you see what works, and and then you start start putting it all together. But that's really the case where you just gotta just just go for it and and really not turn off the inner voice that's constantly you know looking at every every paragraph every sentence um, and trying to to correct it to make it perfect let's let's breathe like uh, we we've t we mentioned we just mentioned Neil and also uh, Brandon Sanderson which if if you're listening to this go out and read everything both of those men have ever produced it's brilliant. <laughs> But uh, have you? Did you draw any specific inspiration from any authors, them, or any other people in the fantasy world? Or yeah, so uh, most of it is is indirect, but I'm sure some of that stuff is so uh, permeated permeated into my brain. Ubiquitous, yeah. Right. I'm, my, I'm sure I'm. I'm. You know, uh, some of my closer friends who who I grew up with, or and and you know, played Dungeons and Dragons with, and and read the same books you know, would call me up after they read the combat codes and, and say, you know, you just, you just took that straight from that, didn't you? And I'm like, get out of my brain. <laughs> I thought but, it was um, a brave, I thought it was a brave choice to have the whole book re resolve around a bunch of people having to deliver a ring someplace like that. <laughs> brave. I, I've never seen that before. <laughs> Especially with a character, Sam, Sam wise. <laughs> but, um, 
Yeah, my my the, main... the circle. What's a <laughs> ring if not a circle? Um, I think there's a few. Pri- uh, Sanderson definitely, as far as stuff I've I've re- read uh, more recently, uh, I'm a big fan of Sanderson. Primarily uh, Stormlight Archive, which I know Kevin, you're you're very familiar with. Um, I I like um as far as also a, a more recent author, uh, Pierce Brown. Um. Who who's written the the Red Rising trilogy? It's not a trilogy actually. It's now there's like six of them, um, and that's that's definitely a, that's like a dystopian book that that I highly recommend. That's a good one. Um, there's six or seven of those. Um, when I was a kid, I read a lot of um, books that took place in in the Dragonlance and Forgotten Realms universes, and those are are loosely based on uh, Dungeons and Dragons as well. Um, so I read I read quite a few of those. Some of the big authors there are Ari Salvatore. Um, Real quick, who's the who's the elf that's like the the central figure in all the Ari Salvatore books? Yeah, his name is Drist. Drist, it, that was Joe it. Orden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay. he's he writ, he writes some pretty epic action scenes too. Actually, the it's not hand to hand combat, you know, unarmed, but some of the the melee in um, in those books, like the Dark Elf trilogy, are are it's pretty pretty good combat there um lord of the rings of course um as far as sci-fi um i'm a big fan of um altered carbon i know there's a tv show of that now yeah um yeah that's that's a good one um let's see what else yeah I, i think that's that's pretty much it i think some some other stuff will come to me but yeah, not to not to get into spoiler territory, but there's actually a scene in Oath Oathbringer, I think, where one of the char- like it's the first time I've ever seen a, a grappling match. Uh, I'm trying to remember, it's uh, it's Dalinar. He's Dalinar. Uh, he, he yep. challenges one of his uh, men to just oh, like a yes. wrestling match, and he gets well he gets now. pinned. And the whole time I'm like, oh, yes. th- this needs yes. to be stretched out yes. for a hundred yes. more pages. Yes. You make me. You're making me feel really bad because this is the first dystopian fantasy book I truly would love to just live in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if most people would. I mean, we both like uh, jujitsu, but I, I think if we yeah. were, if we were forced to 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 fight for. <laughs> for resources it might make it a little more stressful <laughs> yeah no i'm a i'm a scout i'm just going out and watching these, these fights um what was i gonna say oh yeah that that one of the things that that you reminded me of is that scene with from oathbringer uh with dalinar where one of the things i was always looking for scenes like that um with grappling specifically and I would, you know, you, you go through a movie, you know, um, lethal weapon with where Mel Gibson throws on the triangle or you see, um, you know, John wick and, and he's, he has, there's some choreographed jujitsu in there and there's just these little, especially books, um, altered carbon had some, some grappling in it. And, um, if you've, if you've read, um, expanse, have you read expanse? expanse uh, uh, there's there's a two tv show read list about it oh yeah. expanse the tv show no i haven't seen it so but in the book um there's there's some jujitsu in that as well um it's like space jujitsu but you always would find i would always find those those parts and kind of read them over and over and say you know 
I wish there was more of this here. So that's another reason why why I wrote the combat codes because I feel like grappling, you know, the movie industry has, has kind of caught on to it. Um, I think there's there's more choreographers that are in the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world. I know like the Machados are are big on that, and they're they're tapped into the celebrities and and they're doing some some of the choreography. And I think that's becoming more prevalent now. But I think for many years. Um, you know, the, the, the striking element, which is more, you know, from a visual perspective for people that don't know how to grapple, you know, grappling isn't really a, as, as sexy, I would say, but yeah. I think now we're just catching on. And, and I think, um, people on, especially cause of UFC and there's a lot more education out there now about grappling and what, what that is. I think people are getting a little bit smarter, you know, so, um, that was another reason to, that I wanted to write the combat codes to kind of highlight highlight grappling and, and the realism of, of grappling within you know combat in general. Now, now uh, real quickly, I just to, to your point, uh, my one of my really good friends, Tristan, uh, who actually ran an MMA club with uh, in college, he is a a high level Muay Thai fighter with like a big background in boxing. I'm pretty sure if Manny Pacquiao asked him to kill someone, he would. Uh, he's just, but he he was raised on Power Rangers. Like it's his favorite. It's one of his he was raised on Manny Pacquiao highlight reels and and Power Rangers. Is he is he Filipino? He is, is Filipino, he yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. He is he's just in love with it. And both his parents are in, like super high level martial artists too. So he was just born into it. Um and he was telling we were talking, and he, and he doesn't really like weapons. And so his favorite parts of Power Rangers were when the they were just regular people that would get into fights, or like right. when Tommy did the karate tournament, or when the the Power Rangers had to fight hand to hand, like the minions. And like his his interest would peter out once the, they got into the robot because he's like, okay, well, Forget I mean, that. they're just gonna yeah, like that's a robot, <laughs> that's dumb. His 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 least favorite thing is like energy like beams. He's like that's stupid. That's dumb. Give yeah. me give me give me tough punches. Give me give me like his one of his favorite anime is like Baki just because oh, yeah. of how ridiculous like, it gets. I watched Baki and then um, what's the there's a uh, all rounder is another. I think that's a manga though where there's yeah. quite, a, quite a bit of grap- grappling in that as well. Yeah, there's also uh, Tengen Ashura. I think it's a Netflix yes. one. Yeah. yeah, that one's yeah. that one's really good. I haven't seen but that. I, one it's it is. There's a guy who's just a jujitsu fighter, and it's really? it's very it's funny because it's still an anime, so they have to f- do jujitsu. Like he go, he has to do anime stuff. It can't just be jujitsu. Like yeah. he's got to go into <laughs> the zone before he does something, yeah. and it's like. It's treat like a try like regular basic jujitsu is treated like oh this is the craziest stuff ever, but I'm I I still love it because right. no I like that stuff too. Shit. Ever since uh, Fist of the North Star way back way back uh, and that's certainly not very realistic. Oh, oh my! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, so uh, let's let's briefly to all talk about the like the, who we're following. You sure. know, like the uh, the we're we're getting. Two very distinct viewpoints for, for for most of the story. We got uh, the the older, more grizzled fighter, and we've got the the young up, up and comer, uh, both trying to better each other. And we're introduced to that older perspective through Murray. Now, let's let's briefly talk about 
him and how you how you developed him. He's got elements of of Mickey or Mick from from Rocky compared right. and like uh, he's got. I think I, I see a little Dalinar in him, right? Uh, no, but that's, he's, he's that's but he's those. also. Yeah. But he's also – he feels like a real-life just wrestling coach. You know, he's got the cauliflower ears. Like, he's his own person. So just how did you develop him? And, and give us a little bit of insight sure. into his – Yeah, so Murray his, is a character. He's, he's as you said, he's kind of a older, um, washed-up uh, fighter. They, they're called Griever in this, in this world. Yeah. Um, and he – there's certainly a lot of those influences you mentioned. Um, He is a talent, a talent scout. Essentially he's been sent um, to these slave circles where these kids are essentially just fighting for, for gambling. Um, And he's sent to find talent and bring them back to this, um, this combat school for, for one of the nations that, that he lives in. Um, And he's very disillusioned with, with the whole process um, and he is a, a former champion. Um, so he was a former champion for this nation, meaning this is bigger than, you know, a, a UFC champion because he was, he's a national hero. Like think a combination between a war hero and, and a MMA fighter and kind of fuse them together in that this man was, was, you know, a lot of the, the resources that the, this nation was able to achieve uh, was based on Murray um, winning his fights. He's like a warrior king almost, you know, exactly like for a community. Yeah. Yeah. So he, um, I don't want to give away, you know, w- what happened to his career, but he's, he's now down on his luck and he's, he's drinking, um, quite heavily. He's grizzled. Um, and he ends up seeing this kid, in, in the slave circles uh, fight. And he's kind of this kid, you know, after seeing, you know, so many kids and kind of becoming disillusioned, um, this kid Sego catches his eye, um, the way he moves, the way he fights. Um, and, and that kind of brings their two journeys together. And, and, um, and they are, as you said, they are able to, to progress forward together. I, it's always a relief when I get like straight confirmation on how a name is pronounced because I wasn't a hundred percent sure. Is it like Kego? But like it's well, you know what um, the audio the audio book came out recently and and uh, there's a very good uh, narrator. His name is David Sweeney Bear and he's he's uh, he's a Br- <laughs> he's a British guy and um, he he does a fantastic job and it just everything he says. He would ask me, you know, because the, when you do a when you do an audio narration, he he gives you a style sheet of every pronunciation and will run through the pronunciation of every single name. And this is a sci-fi book, so it's every single name, every single landmark. He wants to make sure he gets it right. He, he's a really good. He's a professional, and he was going through all these pronunciations, and and some of them were not the way I had imagined it. But I was like, well, you sound so much better than I do saying those. So. <laughs> That is actually the way it's going to be. <laughs> I, 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 I listened to a little, I haven't gotten through the audio book yet, but I, I remember he, he says it griva. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's very, very, very uh, dramatic. And yeah, I, I so definitely like that. He, he has, he can do like all the, I know in, in the UK, there's just so many different, di- you know, not dialects, but so many different 
um, types of accents, you know, there's like the blue collar accent and there's, I think dialect is the right word dialect, for it yeah. at that point. Yeah. He, he, um, he can do them all. And, um, he, he did, he did a good job. And by the way, the, the, uh, the, the audio book is, is free. I don't know if you, you've seen it's on, um, I'm releasing it on podcast. If anyone is interested in listening, it's free on um, iTunes. Yes. Yeah. So feel free to check that out. And we're going to, we're going to be sure to include a link somewhere at the end, but, uh, yeah, so uh, that that brings us to 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 Sego, the the younger fighter. He's very he's very disillusioned with the life or the the society that he's he's living in, but he's also got to contend with the fact that he is very good at living in that society. He's a very talented right. fighter, you know. There, you got to like it, it's it's like being really equipped for a bad system. Like you, you either have the choice to just, you could easily live in the system and just in, live out your days very successfully, maybe like end up better off than anyone else, or you can work against your own self-interest and, and try and change things where, uh, tell us, yeah. Tell us more about Sego. Sorry. I'm, I am yeah, very, no, no. I, I need to chill out cause I'm very excited whenever I get to talk about nerd stuff and jujitsu. So my brain it's doesn't really, combination. my brain is sort of, it's like I've taken a bunch of, uh, Xendrin and I'm just sort of like, Oh, calm down, man. No worries. No, Sego actually is in, uh, I forgot to mention, I, I'm definitely influenced by, by Ender's game. Um, and oh, I know, Orson Scott card. Yeah. Right. I, I know, um, there's been some comparisons as far as, as far as the battle school, um, battle school and Ender's game and, and combat codes, uh, has a, a big portion of the, the book. I'm not really giving a spoiler away because this yeah. is in the blurb. A large portion of the book takes place in a combat school, um, called the Lyceum where, where essentially kids are, are training various martial arts and and that's their sole purpose for being there which is another reason by the way that i wrote the book is because i always thought that would be pretty awesome you know starting starting up brazilian jiu-jitsu and and muay thai and thinking you know what if this was you know beyond being a professional fighter or even teaching it what if this was all there was like in a university you're gonna you know which class are you gonna take today uh, but anyways ender ender wiggins um it was definitely an influence, uh, whether conscious or subconscious, for for Sego, um, in that he's he's a bit of a mysterious character uh, with with a very um, uh, enigmatic um, upbringing and, and background, and you don't you don't really know um, literally or or metaphorically where he's coming from, um, and but he does have this this uncanny ability toward violence specifically uh, unarmed combat um but but you're right in that he he's a bit more complex um which which you find out uh through the story um his past begins to unravel a little bit and in the second book um uh griever's blood um we we find out a bit a lot a lot more about sego and his past as well yeah, Ender's Game was definitely one of those books because even the protagonist was being misled, and that's I'm not going to give everything away, but like it's 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 a very it it speaks to what does doing good mean 
when at the end of the day you did it under like false pretenses or, or without a full amount of information. Right. Like we don't know a lot, but also we find out that he, there was another layer of uh, mistrust. Right. No. And Ender, Ender had some good fights too. Uh, I know he has that, that bathroom that, that stuck with me, that, that bathroom um, brawl he has he's where he suddenly, bullied. he suddenly, he's getting bullied and he's, yeah. he kind of suddenly turns it on and, and, you know, makes a show of just like fast violence towards, towards this bully. And, and um, I think that scene definitely, definitely stuck with me. I don't, I don't remember if they really recreated that in the movie, but, but the scene from the book, um, I remember that that very well. I didn't. I never saw the movie, but I'd imagine that after after the end of uh, after all the events in the books, Ender shaved his head and uh, changed his name to John Donaher and just started teaching jujitsu in New York. Because <laughs> John Donaher is a psycho. <laughs> He's just very chill about it. He. No, uh, you know what though? It's those characters. I mean, uh, all. The jiu-jitsu as well as combat sports in general they, we've got a lot of characters that's for sure that's what i'm always interested oh my in. there is a whole mythos yeah. and i Amazing. love it well it's beyond it's beyond whether you're for them or against them i i have my own opinions about various people and that's that's fine everyone has their own we'll opinion probably talk people. after <laughs> right yeah but but no matter how you look at it at least from a, a writer's perspective it, it it feeds a lot of stuff because you 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 have these characters, whether they're real or not, whether it's for marketing or not, they're, they're all sorts of personas. Um, it's very interesting. I mean, it's just the, you're getting so many different people that could very easily be characters from a book. Like right. Andre Galvao, I'm not, I'm not going to speak in positive or negative, but he is a, a comic book character. So is Keenan. <laughs> Keenan is a comic book character. Right. Ryan Hall, he is basically uh, like – Captain America before the Super Soldier Serum, you know, oh, like Ryan, Ryan is a character. I've I've uh, rolled with him. He's oh he's, really? He's awesome. Yeah. Oh man, he's like he's got this this mind that is just a labyrinth that I would I would I've me and Tristan uh, because I got him to start doing jujitsu and he got me to attempt striking a few times before I absolutely quit like a little girl <laughs> because he he's a very small guy, but he hits me like a 50 pound weight every time. No fun getting hit. Yeah, no, he's like, I do this because you choke me out a lot. I'm like, ah, <laughs> ah, I can't breathe. But yeah, jujitsu, the longer I stayed in it, the more I realized that these, these people are, so interesting and right. it's like a it's like a fly trap for interesting people jiu-jitsu i think it's like, i think more so and we may be biased but i think more so for for jiu-jitsu than than mixed martial arts i think mixed martial arts you do have a little bit more um no they're certainly super in, like if you look at israel out in adesanya yeah he's a comic book character oh yeah look at that guy he's he's a comic book character but in general, I think jujitsu does attract a, a very wide breadth of, of people from varying backgrounds, and you know whether it be uh, their their nationalities or whether it be their their personalities or their their education. I think everyone's coming from a different place, and that's even even in my classes. That's that's something that's always pretty pretty cool. And I know everyone says that about jujitsu is you're you're really getting exposed to a lot of people. From, from a lot of different backgrounds and walks of life. So I think, I think jiu-jitsu is pretty unique in that sense. 
from from what I've gathered from talking to people, because the, the best part about my job is I just get to to really get meet and get to know a lot of the people in jujitsu. The guys that see a UFC fight and join like and the tap out guys, they they go out and buy their wardrobe before they show up to class. Yep. You know, like <laughs> twenty two monster t shirts, just like ripped up jeans, like studded belt, Ed Hardy. Like they, they don't they don't tend to last very long. It's the nope. weird it's the weirdos that have that could tell you everything that happens in the first fifty issues of action comics. Yeah. You know <laughs> it's the guys that are just like, you know, really what would happen if if Batman had a Green Lantern ring? You know, oh wait, that actually happened in a comic this one time. Let me tell you about it. It's I think it's those guys who like to really get into the 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 mechanics of everything and just the the mythology especially, of everything. I think especially in the gi, I know it's it's a a trope that <laughs> people people in the gi are different than people in no gi. And personally, I love both. I I couldn't do do with either gi or no gi. It's like they for me they they they're yin and yang they're just like they they exist together i love both but like there are certain characters you get in the gi that are i would say maybe you have a bit more cerebral um i don't know what it is about the gi and and i guess the slower pace um maybe it's strangling people with with clothing somehow people that are nerdy like to do that i have no idea but but there is is something about uh, people that, that train in the gi that they're a certain type, I would say. A lot of arthritis too. A very oh, high correlation yeah. of just oh, like wrinkled I got up. that coming, I think. Oh, damn. Yeah, damn. <laughs> yeah man. Well, well this also, keeps, I, it keeps my, this one keeps my wedding ring from coming off because it's kind of thin, but it can't get over that knuckle. Oh, wow. <laughs> There's that there's that video of some engineer using a bunch of string to like get a woman's too small uh, wedding ring off. So like you're you're fine in the long run. Um, I I gotta ask did did writing these scenes these these very well choreographed and written scenes did do, do you think it it helped your jujitsu or did your jitsu like was there a mutual benefit? Did having to really sit down and think about how these interactions would play out on paper, do you think it had any kind of positive impact on how you rolled or? Um, I would say more so pro writing, uh, probably not so much to be honest. I would say the thing I know, and they could be mutually a part of each other is, is teaching. And I know a lot of people say that, but, but talking about, about techniques and actually going through the motions of, of teaching techniques certainly has helped my own personal jujitsu game quite a bit. And I know, you know, as a writer, I sometimes might, if I, especially if I'm, I'm kind of going through something in my head quite a bit, like a, a specific technique that I'm about to write about or, or a combat or a grappling scene, I might re reutilize some of the, the language, uh, when I'm, when I'm teaching my class, um, so I think they, they certainly play in together. But for me, teaching really is, is I, I highly recommend, especially, you know, purple, brown, black belts who, who don't teach yet. Um, and you're looking for a way to, to improve your game, especially if you feel, you know, stagnant and there's an opportunity for you to, you'd even help out teaching or, or even, you know, I'm not, I'm not telling people to, you know, when you're one-on-one -on -one working with someone to suddenly start teaching them, but 
if you have an opportunity to teach class, I think that can dramatically improve your game and put you in a, in a mindset where you're really analyzing your yourself uh, quite a bit, your own technique, what what you know, what you don't know. Um, I got it. I only asked just because uh, I've had to cover a lot of MMA fights and also jujitsu matches. And right. early on, like I'm, I'm just like a one stripe blue belt, but I, I came in with a journalism degree, so I, I knew right. how to write. But these scenes are like these, these uh, transitions and these chains of movements are very difficult. So you know, sitting in with Ed and and running my own jujitsu club on campus, I found that having to explain this stuff to other people, it made the words come easier to me when right. I had to write them for like Gordon Ryan versus Husmar Paul Harris or uh, another one that I can't name off the top of my head just because I'm truly, it's it's like 90% fantasy, 10% jujitsu right now. <laughs> now I'm just like, for this whole conversation, I'm just like, I wonder if like, would Aragorn pull guard? Or what, he, percentage, he... <laughs> what percentage of jujitsu fans do you think are also fantasy or sci-fi fans? Because then we could we could dictate our conversation based on what that percentage is. I, I would <laughs> I had I would say seventy five percent, if only because I my other podcast is in uh, a Star Wars discussion podcast, oh, right. and my yeah. two my two co hosts are a black belt and a purple belt. So right. there you go, like Star what, Wars. There we go, another influence. That Star is a Wars huge sure. one. Oh yeah, oh, especially with like just the the gal like oh yeah no like the, the how you've incorporate how you've used sci-fi you, you go a little bit more into sci-fi than than Star Wars does it's more of like a space fantasy like there's never any sort of really long dalliance on the technology behind a lightsaber there's a, right. a magic crystal there's a Kyra right. crystal. It, we're not going to go too meta, far. It's metachlorines. If you ever wonder what's going on, it's just the metachlorines. It's metachlorines, you know? Yeah. And I'm, uh, we can't talk about Star Wars because then I'll eventually have to talk about The Last Jedi. And I'm, I'm not <laughs> well, prepared to I have not. I have not seen it. Yet, you know, so. Hey, Alex, you're doing great. Just keep, you're, you're living life the right way. Just I should on. just stick with The Mandalorian as my as where I'm, where I'm at. I don't need to. You a... should go and watch the new new season of Clone Wars when it comes out. Okay. And I but also The Mandalorian's great. I we love got, The Mandalorian. It's so good. It's so it really good. Is. Pedro yeah. Pascal. I'll watch literally anything that guy is in. Right. I, I, and the fact that he's not even in his face. Actually, I don't want to give it, give spoilers, but we're not doing that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Watch The Mandalorian. Um. Gosh, what was I going to say? <laughs> I think we were talking about the breakdown of jujitsu fans that oh, yeah. may or may not when, be. When I talked to Ed, Ed is my my jujitsu coach, and he's he's I've known him from like for years and years, and he's the biggest Star Wars nut I've ever met. He I don't think there's a he's probably top five trivia off the cuff guys you ever. He's got a whole action figure set up in his house called crisis on infinite alderons and it's just this <laughs> massive massive sprawling thing that does he ever just, make you guys do like cosplay while you're rolling grappling oh no he doesn't like he doesn't like costumes he and doesn't stuff. Make yeah, he's just like he's very much like <laughs> it needs to exist in my house where i can control it and yes <laughs> funnel it and refine it and just like he's got a ton of black series but i asked him like what like how do you describe jujitsu to people? And he just looked at me and, go, and he was like, Kevin, it's the force. It's an energy field. 
people that surround you and penetrate you and, and bind you together. You're like, my training is the force. I can trust in it. It allows me to move through the world easier because I know I can do things most people can't, you know, and if I oh, meet someone so and if I Very meet true. someone that I got to use it on, but who also knows how to use it, then it, that's like a showdown that happens in the wild where force users meet up, you know, you get to see how good you are, you know, no. I, I fully agree with, with your coach, Ed, in that it sounds, what we're talking about sounds dorky and almost borderline, I, w- I would say, fanatic. But the fact that that you have this, this ability that you train all the time, whether, I mean, jiu-jitsu, mixed martial arts, you know, any real, real martial arts where you're actually live training um, and testing, testing your techniques in a live setting, um, at full full resistance, I would I would put them all in a very similar category. You know what you can do. You've been you've been tested. You know exactly what you can do with another human's body, and you know how to distribute your weight. And as you walk around in the world, whether it be a business meeting or or you know social interaction, and that is what people recognize about other jujitsu folks is they're often quite quite a bit more chill um and calm and and it's because they they have some sort of some sort of inner confidence that they're they're able to you know carry with them so it really it's the force and i think it, it's a good thing and it helps it helps you be i think uh, a nicer kinder person because we're going and grappling during the day and then or or in the evening whatever you do and then you can can go out into the world i actually it's i i think that you can sp- i would truly split that into just covering all practical martial arts guys. You know, like right. Tristan, I met him because I was working out in the gym and I suddenly started hearing this loud, like, bang, bang, bang. And I go downstairs, because I, I was doing cardio, I go downstairs to check it out. There's a one of those, like, like punching bags that you put water in at the bottom. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's not really, you're not really supposed to do anything serious to it. And the whole gym is sort of just watching this tiny Filipino kid just sidekick, 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 sidekick again and again and again. And it's just so loud. And he's not – he's got like AirPods in or earbuds. He's is this a regular – this is a regular weightlifting gym? This is a regular weightlifting gym that they stuck <laughs> a punching bag in if someone wanted to do uh, like, like, like cardio kickboxing. And this kid is murdering it. And I'm so I want to go up to him and say hi, but I'm also so terrified because the look in his eyes <laughs> is like I am go- I'm practicing to break ribs, I'm practicing to break legs, I am gonna break something like. And so it, it actually I ran into him after that, like a few days after that. And I'm like, dude, you're the you're the guy. You're that I, guy that's kicking that back. You're the guy. And then like I'm like I do jujitsu, and he's like, oh, for real? My sister is like a, gonna be an Olympic wrestler one day. And I'm like, that makes perfect sense. That's awesome. Yeah. And and so I think that if for, it's just, it's the effort and it's the, the confidence, it's like, it's its own unique thing. And you recognize that across, it doesn't need to be just jujitsu or grappling. I think you can, you sort of see that in everybody, you know? Right. Right. When I, when I grab, if I come out of, first of all, if I don't grapple for a while, I get grumpy as my wife will, will tell me. But after I, after I grapple, I come out there, I'm dealing with, with work. You know, I, I work I, beyond writing. I still work full time. Um, I, I'm fine. People yell at me. People can, 
can tell me off and I'm just like, okay, that's fine. Uh, a side note to what you were saying there, as far as gym, regular weightlifting gym experiences, I have a good, one of my, my good training partners. Um, he's a very high level black belt. He's a, a black belt Sambo, black belt judo. Um, I think black belt in, in some, some karate and he's a high level boxer. This guy, his name is George and he's from, from Georgia. Um, <laughs> he, and he's not a big guy. Um, he, he like trains some of his students at their local weightlifting gym. There's like a meathead kind of gym, a lot of big guys and they just go right in the center of the gym and they'll like pummel. They do a bunch of Greco together. So oh. they'll like pummel and, and this is all Nogi. And then every once in a while, Ken Shamrock's like, lion's den, just like, he'll have like a big dude just be like, Hey, uh, can I try that? And not almost like just curiously. And then he'll just like, you know, pretty much manhandle these guys. Um, and then they'll, they'll be really interested in it after. So it's, it's interesting that in the center of a, a gym type of experience. <laughs> yeah. It's, I think the levels that are, the levels of awareness are, are definitely getting better, but you still get surprised by what you find just out there. Like when my brother was going to, I'm looking at his, uh, him in his dress blues right now, a picture of him. Uh, when he was getting ready to go to the Marine Corps, me and Ed, because uh, he's a family friend, we decided we were going to give – I had only been training for a few months, but we decided we were going to get him as sharp in jiu-jitsu as possible, like super basic takedowns, right. like right. meathead jiu-jitsu, just like how to defend chokes, just getting used to right. those positions. And it's Because, you know, you, ne you never know what you're going to face at Paris Island. Um, and then – they did their their combatives program, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything mean, but it is, it's they, the ideas are different. He did well. He he did very well. Uh, he in fact he's now a I think he's a high level like I think he's like a tan belt like a higher belt in their combatives program. Right. And he, they were going over rear naked chokes, and they they do them a little differently, and so that when they were practicing, his buddy would get, get him in the choke and, and he'd squeeze it. And he's like, dude, stop being a hero. You got to tap. And Sean's just like, I, you're not, not actually, it's the it's artery. Like I can fit my, yeah, no, it's <laughs> like, it's like, you got, you got to really, you got to sink it in. You got to do yeah. a bunch of like little things. Like people will tap to uncomfort, to miss discomfort. You know, right. that's, that's sort of what I'm getting at. Like they'll feel something a little uncomfortable but the more you get into it, the more you can uh, realize when you're really in danger. Like, right. Right. I, I would, know, I used I to tap from neon belly. Right. Oh, I still, you know, longevity is certainly a thing. So uh, it's one thing if you're training competition, but if, if you're going to have some popped ribs, you, you know, live to live to fight another day. That's what, you know, longevity is pretty, I would say for a lot. One thing I tell my students a lot is, you know, especially guys who are, or girls who are a bit getting a bit older. And I mean, we all love, love grappling and it, it's tough when you're off the mat. So I think a lot of your decision-making apart from competition, it's one thing if you're training for competition, then you have to take risks that, that um, we, essentially you're, you're risking injury at a higher percentage. But if you're just training to be on the mats and you have to, you have to let stuff go um, and put yourself, you know, out of positions where you're going to, where you're going to sustain injury. Now, what what I really like about this book is that you—it's definitely a love letter to like, like MMA fans. Like, there's a lot of stuff 
like the protein stuff. I still like, I tell people about that. I'm like, guys, like you gotta read this book. He gets it. It's just, like, I, I have three different protein jugs in my closet. <laughs> One of them chips Ahoy flavor just because um, I love trying different ones for like the macros. And, um, but the world and the conflict setup is so interesting that like, it's going to hook fantasy fans, right. you know? And no offense to traditional fantasy, but I, a few people are going to go sign up for like medieval sword classes, you know, and right. like <laughs> the, the, there's not really a learn to cast fireball class. Right. But right. This like it's showing combat and the re- and just the the reality of it. Did you did you intend to also maybe entice more nerds to, into yeah, the, MMA or jujitsu? You know what I did write it. Um, with martial artists uh, in mind, but but certainly I would I especially lately with with the the second book um, that's due out shortly. I really have been reaching out to fantasy and sci-fi fans. Um, one thing that I I say is and and a lot I've had a lot of uh, readers that are not even martial artists, and the common thread is they say that. The, the the techniques and the the combat in it was very very detailed and seemed very realistic i didn't understand all of it but i got it and uh, what i do is I, I treat martial arts the techniques the grappling um the stand-up i treat it like a magic system so you have you have let's just talk the most accessible magic system harry potter right you have you have um an, an invisibility spell and no one knows what that is when you read it you don't know what that what that incantation is it's, it's just you assume it's magic but he, you learn it throughout the book so that's what i try to do i introduced you know this is a, a fireman carry you know i use the japanese or, or the Brazil, or the portuguese uh or or the english terminology for the martial arts which is i'm, I'm just taking it straight from from the source and a, a layman who doesn't under, understand or, or practice martial arts won't know what it is. But if I introduce it over and over, they're going to say, oh, uh, Kataguruma is is shoulder, you know, uh, fireman's carry. And they will know that by, by the end of the book. Um, he's, char- like, he's charging up his Uchimata. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they'll know it. Just like in, if you're reading Harry Potter, you know, um, you know, Wingardium Leviosa. Everyone, yeah. there's kids running around saying that, saying that, and you know, it's 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 a made up uh, magic spell. So the same thing. I that's what I attempt to do um, with martial arts techniques. Is you know, treat the techniques like like spells or like like magic, and um, hopefully, uh, and one of my goals is for for regular fantasy or sci-fi readers to be able to to pick that up and 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 also. Um, enjoy enjoy the the fights. It doesn't. You don't have to know martial arts in order to to you know be engaged in in the fights. When you said, I think of MMA and jujitsu as a magic system. It made me so happy. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm gonna cry. Oh my! Well, we're God. both fans of, of Sanderson, and we know Sanderson yeah. has some of the best magic systems. Have you read? Um, uh, I know people don't like Roth Fuss because he never. You never oh finished, but God. I mean, uh, no matter what, no matter what you have to say about him, people, people hate him. But they only hate him because they love him. They hate uh, him because they love him. And Alex, he did. You're gonna get me in trouble, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
Okay, here's I mean, here's what I will say about Patrick Rothfuss. He he is a beautiful writer. His prose is great, and sympathy. Okay, sympathy. I think he's he he's he does. The, I I get the sense that he's a little too proud of all this imaginary math that he's made <laughs> up, and it's like, oh, you, I form a sympathy. I oh, what you got to do is you got to make a hide something in your brain and then split your brain in half. So another you can find the thing that the other you hit. And I'm just like, Oh my God, yeah. it doesn't help that he also made like a damn near a Mary Sue as the character. Like both is the best musician swordsman uh, magician right, right. in history. It's yeah, like, I like the first book a lot and I don't want to give spoilers away, but the second book where he ends up in that, uh, the forest that I, yeah. I, I was like, you know, what? <laughs> the people that are watching this that know we all know what you're talking about it was like it's a, the worst <laughs> it was like a weird like 70s i don't even i don't i'm not gonna get into it i don't even yeah, know no, i i read it and yeah you're you're right uh strange yeah no but i i will say the world he made is beautiful it, it right. is very like the the, Chan, the Chandrian. Like I want to know more about it, and it's it's a great example of el- taking elements. It's like there's a lot of the ring wraiths in the Chandrian, you know, but right. they're also they're very they're almost like Nordic in a way, you know, like they they take the elements of the naming, you know, right. and the, the naming system. He's got a bunch of systems working together. There's um, right. sympathy and naming, and just a lot of crazy magic that we don't know yet. And I heard that the the Doors of Stone is that the last one that's coming out. Hey, that's, it's been is that a while. Actually, is that yeah, actually coming out? I heard that it was coming down the pipe. You know, I'll I think be happy. He's been saying that for for like six or seven years. <laughs> yeah, but in the time it's taken him, you know, Brandon's what he's churned out eight thousand books. Yeah, that guy's awesome. He, he locked him. Like what him. he did, he just he locked himself in a room in order to finish the first draft of. Uh, I read that. I follow him, and and he's the, the progress bar. Yeah, his lectures, his lectures on on um, on at BYU. Yeah, he releases all those. Those are those are that's good stuff. I've been I've been watching that stuff for a while. Oh man. Okay. Well, I, I think we got time for one more question. Sure. Uh, I wanted I want to do this for another seven hours, but you know, <laughs> we, we both have lives, or you have a life. I, I could probably I'll probably find someone else to talk to about fantasy for a while until I fall asleep. Um, between the first book and the second book, how many lessons did you learn? Uh, what kind of improvements do you think you you made? You know, what what changed, or if anything? Yeah. So. Uh... I wanted to write the second book right after I finished the first book because I'd always, first of all, I know you have to be, be steady as a writer. If you, especially if you want to do this as a living, you have to have some regular production. We're just talking about the difference between Sanderson and, um, and Rothfuss and, and really being. And how one's better than the other. Yeah. I, I would rather, much rather be Brandon Sanderson. The problem is I had two kids in between the two, in between the book. My first, uh, my two daughters were born, um, and that that really derailed me. And and I'm not I'm not upset about that because I was able to give you know give, and I still am obviously able to put time into into being a father, um, and you know still training jujitsu and <clears throat> teaching jujitsu. I got I I was a brown belt uh, when I finished the other book, and uh, that's been that's been about five years now. And obviously I'm a black belt now, and I teach and I train. 
so there's been a lot that's that's changed but i was not in the right headspace or i did not have the right uh schedule or amount of t- uh, enough time to to be a regular writer um so i've changed a lot uh certainly uh becoming a father um between those two books and um i've i have been writing um not as steadily you know before i started drafting um book two griever's blood um i had been writing not as steadily as, as i'd like i wrote a few pieces um for for uh, some jujitsu uh publications i wrote actually a piece on um anthony bourdain who was a big hero of mine yeah um, uh for for jujitsu style um and about his his uh anonymous i don't know if you read it about his anonymous um reddit profile um where, no. where he actually he actually um had a and i i had been somehow i had a gut feeling he had been on on red the reddit jujitsu forum as an anonymous user for several years and i, I being a big fan of wow. anthony bourdain's i was like this guy writes a lot like anthony bourdain this was a white belt writing about you know his experiences just posting on posting on this forum and saying you know i'm i'm just starting this out and he would write these this beautiful prose straight out of anthony bourdain's mouth i'd be like this guy's either like a really big fan of bourdain or is 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 bourdain so i followed this guy over the years and i was like this is bourdain and he's just wants he's on this forum because he just loves jujitsu he loves it so much and he's just posting he doesn't give a shit that this is just a completely anonymous profile so i wrote a piece on that um which which Kind of got really to be honest launched me back into being more passionate about about writing um, again he was one of my heroes when he passed away i was like fuck this i'm gonna i'm gonna write the second book you know what would, what would bourdain do he would he said you know just pick yourself up you think you're a morning writer you know i'd be like i'm i like writing in the morning okay i feel the best writing in the morning i have my cup of coffee i get up early i, I i'm a morning person that's where i'm gonna get get my most uh get get my word count the highest um and then with two kids and and you know full-time work and training and and teaching i realized you know that's that's silly saying i'm a morning writer and pigeonholing myself to to only writing the morning you know you write you do it you're passionate about when you can do it so i would you know after the kids went to bed um you know lunch break just write whenever i can and i had to relearn i had to get get good at at writing and switching my brain from, you know, parenting or from, from my, my regular work, um, into, into writer mode. And that's, that's hard to be honest, being able to switch, switch into that mode, but I got better at it and, um, I was able to, to chip away and I, I finished the draft in about, I would say six months. I think to be honest, if I, if I could write all the time, I could, I think I could put out a draft in like two or three months, you know, with the time, but, you know, you only get get the time, dude. And then, um, you know, editing. I actually, I actually enjoy editing a lot more now, and it's kind of like refining, refining technique. And um, so, I, I think a lot of that has probably. Um, I mean, the book, the second book will be out very shortly, so we'll we'll see. Hopefully, people like it. Um, I think. Um, Having two daughters certainly certainly influenced me. I'm, my my two girls now they're four four and one, but I'm already having them. You know, 
wrestle each other a little bit. Just, just, just get, I don't want to push them too hard, but, but you know, there, I think grappling is a natural boy or girl. doesn't matter. Grappling is just natural for, for kids. Um, and it should be natural for adults too. I think it's, it's like our form of, of play. I think all mammals, you know, play. So I've been, I've been, I don't want to get too far into that. I've been pushing them that, no. that way, but there, there are, um, one of the main characters in the first book, uh, one of the main female characters is, is we have a separate storyline for her in the, yep. in the second book. Um, she's like the, the daughter of the most famous, um, fighter in the world. And, and I, again, I don't want to give anything away, but she, she has her own quest, her own journey in the second book. And I think certainly having, having two girls, um, in, influenced me to, to push it a little bit in that direction. All right. Well, true. We well and truly could keep doing this. At least I could. <laughs> but uh, I think uh, now would be a good time to call it. Uh, right. You can you can uh, follow Alex on social media. We'll include all the links. Uh, you can buy the combat codes on iTunes. You can find it on iTunes in the form of a podcast. Audible.com. Uh, you can buy it off of iTunes Library, and uh, where else can they buy it, Alex? What am I forgetting? You can get the ebook. Uh, the ebook is is uh, is on Amazon. Um, currently, the first book is also only ninety nine cents because I'm I'm really trying to make a push to get more readers for the first book, so that um, you know the second you, book. You can charge eighty five dollars for the the sequel. I get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Audible, as you said, so just just type in combat codes. You'll find it. Give it a try. I uh, hope everyone enjoys it. Um, again, it is a bit of a an ode to, to martial arts as well as, well as fantasy sci-fi. And you can follow Alex's uh, Instagram page and other social uh, – Instagram and uh, any other pages that you got? Yeah, it's all of them, Instagram, Facebook. It's all just uh, combat codes. Yeah, you can follow those pages for updates on the sequel – uh, we'll, we'll definitely be having you back once that's out, and uh, right. And we'll the sequel, make... the sequel will be out uh, first half of February. First half of February. Not All right. Probably. Well, I have been Kevin Bradley, joined in studio by author and jujitsu black belt Alex Darwin. Hey, thank you so much, Kevin. I appreciate you having me on. All right. Well, good night, everybody. Go out and read. Go train. Go train and read. <laughs> Both. Both. Thank you. <laughs>